Shalom, Holy Scriptures and Israel is a ministry designed to share with the Jewish people the good news of the Lord Jesus Yeshua the Messiah and to instruct Christians on the Jewish roots of their faith. And now, teaching God's Word from a Hebrew Messianic perspective, here is Gideon Levitam. Shalom, my dear brothers and sisters. We are continuing together with the study of the book of 1 Corinthians. This letter, 1 Corinthians, is an important letter that the Apostle Shaul Paul wrote to the believers at Corinth. And we are always reminded of the fact that this letter was written as a corrective ministry to a local assembly at Corinth, which did not live up to the requirements which the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, desired them to live as believers who are functioning in their local assembly in a way that it is pleasing to the Lord. And especially here, beloved brothers and sisters, when we arrive to the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians, will you please open your Bibles? And I would like you to follow me as I'm reading 13 verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. So please follow me. We read in verse 1, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy, and understand all mysteries, and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains, and have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have no love, it profiteth me nothing. Love suffereth long, and is kind. Love envieth not. Love vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, does not behave itself unseemingly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil, rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Love never faileth. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, 
I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass, darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. And now by the faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. And I will stop here, beloved brothers and sisters and dear friends, with verse 13 of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It is very interesting that this 13th chapter is placed here in the canon of Scripture within the book of 1 Corinthians, right between these very interesting two chapters, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And if you remember, beloved brothers and sisters and dear friends, the 12 chapters of 1 Corinthians was written to present before the Corinthians the spiritual gifts that the glorified Messiah gave to the body of Christ, the body of Messiah. And these spiritual gifts that were given to the body of believers, they are to be used in such a way that all the people of God will benefit from the spiritual gifts that were given to the assembly, to the church. And so, if you remember, beloved brothers and sisters and dear friends, we have spoken in our previous chapter 12 on the gift of the spirits that they were giving for the unity of the body of Messiah, the body of Christ. The gifts were given, this is the gift of the Holy Spirit, were given with diversities of gifts for the benefit of the body of Christ. And we also realize as we study chapter 12 that these diversities of gifts were given to diversity of members of the body of Christ, the body of Messiah. And it is that each member is called to fulfill the will of God within the body of Christ. And so... It is interesting that now that the Apostle Paul emphasized in chapter 12 that every believer have entered into this body by the Holy Spirit of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 13, For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free and have been all made to drink into one spirit. And so, all believers, true believers, have been placed into, baptized into that one body, put under by the Holy Spirit of God, into that one body which composed of all true believers who are born of the Holy Spirit of God. Jewish and Gentiles, Bond and free, male and female, slave or free, all of us have entered into this one body in the same way. And there is only one body, 
not two, and that this body is a composition of all the members, true born-again believers, and the head of that body is none else but our Lord Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah, who is in heaven, who desired to see his own people here on earth living life in order to honor him. But because the Corinthians' spiritual condition was so sad, that they have had so much divisions and the lack of care for one another, immoralities and taking each other to court. And they had many, many errors that existed in their local assembly, both in doctrine and in practice. It was necessary for the apostle Shaul Paul to write them this very important letter as a corrective ministry, and right between chapter 12 and chapter 14, the Apostle Shaul Paul presented before them the need to use the gifts that were given to the assembly in love, self-sacrificial love, in order that the a blessing will flow from the Lord to his own people. And therefore the Apostle Shaul Paul is presenting this 13th chapter before he's going into the 14th chapter where he will emphasize the need to use the gifts that were given to the assembly in a right manner, in a right way, with the object of edifying the assembly and using the gifts that were given to the believers in love, in sacrificial love. And that is why we have here the 13th chapter, just before the 14th chapter, to remind you, beloved brothers and sisters, that the Corinthians did not act upon it in the time that the Apostle Paul received this information concerning the condition of the Corinthians. Therefore, he wrote this letter and trusting that they will change their behavior and have one uh, towards another love, practical love that will be evident by their behavior one towards another. And so as we are moving along here into this 13th chapter, you will notice that in this 13th chapter, 13 verses, we have, first of all, in verses 1 and 2, the emphasis is that gifts are good, but only if they are ministered with love. And he will emphasize it in this chapter. Secondly, in verse 3, giving, the gift of giving, are good, but only if they are done with love and in love. Shaul Paul will continue in verses 4 to 7, and he will emphasize that love is described here in this 13th chapter because God is love. To remind you that in 1 John chapter 4, we do read in verse 8 that God is love. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In Hebrew, Elohim hu ahava. Love. God is love. Agapeo. God is 
love. In verses 8 to 12, the Apostle Paul will emphasize the fact that love is better than our present incomplete knowledge. Even though we know much and we can know more, love supersedes, love is better than the present day incomplete knowledge that we all have. And finally, in verse 13, he will emphasize the preeminence of love. Now let me remind you that in days of old, God have required from his people Israel to love him. He wanted Israel, the nation, his own people, to love him. We read in Deuteronomy 6 and verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. This is one of the most famous and central verses in the Hebrew Scriptures, in the whole Word of God. Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Ve'ahavta et Adonai Elohecha Bechol levavcha Ubechol nafshecha Ubechol meodecha And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. Now had Israel loved God in such a way with all the heart, with all the soul and with all the might Israel would have enjoyed the unity and the harmony with one another. If you and I will love one another as believers of the assembly, of the church, of the ecclesia, the way that God, to love the Lord and to love one another, the way that God wishes us to love one another and to love the Lord, we would never have this issue of division that are happening today in the church, in the professing church. You remember what God said to Israel in Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 18. Thou shalt not avenge, nor bear any grudge against thy children, the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. This is such an amazing verse. Ve'ahavta l're'acha kamocha. This is exactly what we read in the Brit HaKadashah, in the New Testament, in the New Covenant. That, as we just read in First John chapter 4 and uh, verse 8, this interesting verse, because there we learn how important it is to love one another, to love the brethren. He that loveth not, notice that, he that loveth not, knoweth not God, First John chapter 4 and verse 8. Why? Because God is love. If you don't love, if we don't love one another, we do not know God because God is love. This is exactly what was told to the people of Israel in the days where God led his people through the wilderness to the promised land. How important it is to understand the importance of loving the Lord and loving one another. This is not merely a feeling, but this is a sacrificial love which we often fail to practice in our day-by-day living. You remember what John wrote, which the Lord Jesus, Yeshua the Messiah, before he have gone to the cross, to the altar, he said, 
A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have loved one to another. He said this in the upper room in the city of Jerusalem to the apostles, to the disciples, before he went to the cross to pay for the sin of this world. Love one another. Three times, beloved brothers and sisters, it's mentioned in John 13, uh, verse 34 and 35. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another. As I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if you have loved one to another. Three times, love one another. Had the church, the assembly, had practiced this, as Israel, the nation, have practiced this, there would have not be division among the people of God. How sad it is that we fail to practice this, and wherever it is practiced in some small measure, blessings is provided for the people of God. So how much we need the Lord's help, how much the Corinthians needed the Lord's help to practice this and to experience this in their day-by-day living with one another as members of the body of the Messiah. Well, notice that. Here now, once the Apostle Paul wrote the 12th chapter, Now, in the 13th chapter, of course, there was no divisions of the letter. We have been dividing it just to make things easy for us in the reading of the word. In verses 1 and 2, and actually verse 3, the apostle is emphasizing the fact that love is enriching and the importance of love among the people of God. Now let me remind you that the word love in the scripture, the Greek language is found more than four times. Two of them specifically is found in the New Covenant, in the New Testament. In the Hebrew scripture, the word love is found many times. The Hebrew word is ahava. The first time it is mentioned in the word of God is in Genesis chapter 22 and verse 2, where God said to Abraham to take his son, his only son, whom he loved, Isaac, Yitzchak. That's where you have the word Le'ehov, Ahava, Ahavta, Asher Ahavta, love. It is found the first time in Genesis chapter 22 and verse 2. When it comes to the New Testament, the New Covenant, uh, the word love is mentioned also, many times, but the first time the word love is really mentioned in the scripture, we might even say it in a different way. The times that the word agapeo is mentioned in the New Testament, it is found in John 3.16, this famous verse, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And then we have 
once again it's mentioned in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 44 where we read by the word of the Lord but I say unto you love your enemies bless them that curse you do good to them that hate you and pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you we have this found in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 44. There are more than four times where the word love is mentioned in the Greek language. Out of them, two of them mentioned in the New Testament. And words that are mentioned in the New Testament are the word agapeo, unconditional love. And the love which represents a brotherly love, phileo, comes from the word Philadelphia, where we have brotherly love. There are other words that are not used in the New Testament, such as uh, eros, which is not mentioned. This is physical, sexual love between husband and wife. And of course, storge. And the storge mentioned twice, but in the negative way, in Romans 1 verse 31, in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 3, where the word is mentioned, astogos, which is devoid of natural affection. Devoid of natural affection. In other words, devoid of love. This is the condition that exists in the world. But the word agapeo is mentioned many times, and that is the unconditional love that is described for us in the giving over of the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, giving over his body as a sacrifice for the sin of this world. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. The giving was that the Son of of God, the Son of the Father, came down to this world and took humanity, human nature with his divine nature. And as men, he lived his life here until he went to the shameful cross where he died for the sin of this world. Amazing love. Amazing love. And so notice this, beloved brothers and sisters. What we have here in verses 1, 2, and 3. Let me read you uh, verse 1 of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbals. In other words, love regards to even speaking in tongue, though I speak with the tongue of men or of angels and have not love, I become as a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbals. You remember, and you will see that more in the next chapter, the Corinthians have this problem with the desire to have external gifts that had been a showy gift, that impressed others and were not really for the benefit of the assembly of the believers in that local assembly. That's why we read at the end of chapter 12, but covet earnestly the best gift, and yet show I unto you the more excellent way. In other words, you are coveting this showy external gift, 
and you are called to desire to have the gift that will be best to minister to the people of God. But here I'm going to show you a more excellent way. In other words, a more excellent way than the way in which you were using the gifts that you desire uh, to have. The Corinthians apparently, these chapters are not written to commend them, but actually to condemn their behavior. And therefore, the apostle is saying to them, Even though I speak with the tongue of men or of angels, and here, beloved brothers and sisters, we must emphasize, that this expression, though I speak with the tongue of men or tongues of angels and have not love, I become a sounding breath and a tinkling cymbal, we oftentimes hear that people, or believers, who claim that they are speaking angelic tongues. Now, let me suggest, beloved brothers and sisters, that whenever God shows us that an angel appeared unto men here in this world, that angel always, at all time, in every instance, spoke to that person in their own language. It is never the reverse. It is never that this person that received an angelic visit in the biblical history, they never spoke the angel tongue, the angel spoke man's tongue. What the Apostle Paul is saying here, he is giving kind of an illustration, even if there was such a thing, that you can speak tongues plural of men, of all men, M-E-N, all the languages that existing upon the face of this world of all people, and all the languages uh, of the angels, if I do so, and I don't do it in love, and I have no love, I become as a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. The lesson here is that love with regards to speaking in tongues is essential. To speak the languages, the gift that the Lord had given, to other people, to other men, to other brothers and sisters for the ministry of the Word of God, when they need to hear the gospel in their own language, to have this gift to be able to speak a language without to learn in school, in a supernatural way to receive that gift from the Lord in those days, especially in the early days of the church age, to do so with love and care, unconditional love, because we want to minister to one another. My dear brothers and sisters, Paul was not saying here that uh, we all have and able to speak some tongues of angels. The word for tongues is glossa, language. It is strictly emphasizing the fact that if one have received the gift of speaking in languages, in tongues, he must do so in unconditional love for the benefit of the other, and not for showing and giving the assumption that he has some angelic language that he knows, or some all the languages that upon the face of this earth 
tongues, plural, the languages of men, M-E-N, of all the people of the world. Beloved brothers and sisters, it is so important to understand that the gifts were given for the benefit of the people of God and not to have this pride in claiming that one knows even languages of angels that no one knows. We need to realize that God desiring us to be practical, benefiting one another. I know that there are many views on these subjects, and we don't always see eye to eye, but beloved brothers and sisters, Paul does not say that we now, or some of us now, speaks angelic language. That's why he used the word though. I speak if. It's not possible. We don't have it. But even if you could. And you speak in all the tongues of all the people. All men. M-E-N. And all and angels. And you do it in pride. And not in love. Sacrificial love. Notice I am. And Paul speaking of himself. I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling symbol. He used the word agapeo, unconditional love. That's the reason why the gifts were given. He continued, notice in verse 2, love with respect to the gifts of even prophecy and even the gift of faith. Notice we read in verse 2, And though I have the gift of prophecy and understanding all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have no love, I am nothing. Now again, beloved brothers and sisters, notice what Paul does here. Use the word all. Prophecies, all mysteries, all knowledge, all faith. Is there anyone who have all these things? Of course not. Paul is taking it to the extreme, just as he has taken it to the extreme. If I speak in the languages of men, then of angels, of all men, of all angels. It's not possible. There's no gifts of angels, language of angels that we are speaking because whenever angels appear here on earth, they always spoke men's language to minister to people. As we are called to minister to people, to the body of Christ, to the body of Messiah, to believers. So though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mystery and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could even remove mountains. Now, beloved brothers and sisters, God is not asking us to rearrange this world and to remove mountains from the east to the west or from the north to the south. These are description of the impossibility, but even if it can be, the importance is love. Agapeo, ahava, unconditional love in ministering the gifts that God had given to the believers today among the body of Christ, the body of Mashiach. And developing this even more, 
And speaking of the prominent of love in the assembly of the believers. In verse 3, having a love is important with respect and with regard to even great personal sacrifices which we might offer here as we live here upon the face of this earth. We read in verse 3, And though I bestow, notice, all my good to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not love, it profiteth me nothing. Again, beloved brothers and sisters, you can see how the apostle Shaul Paul is going to the extreme here to emphasize the fact that there are certain things that are just not true. No one we see bestow all their good to the poor and give their bodies to be burnt. Well, some may have experienced this because another persecuted them and put them to the fire or made them poor by taking everything from them. And Paul is emphasizing the fact that even if you have done so, in fact, he's speaking of himself, even if I have done so, Paul speaks of himself, although I bestow all my goods to the poor, and although I give my body to be burned, Paul did not, though he have given his life for the Lord Jesus, the Messiah. He said, but if I have no love, it does not profit me. You see, the preeminence and the prominence of love is essential in the service of God in executing the gifts that the Lord had given to His own people. And so in verses 1, 2, and 3, love is enriching. Love is important in the way whereby we are using the gifts among the people of God. It is enriching God's people. It is making them benefit. That's why the gifts were given. If you remember, we have already read in chapter 12, by the manifestation of the Spirit is given, this is verse 7 in chapter 12, to every man to profit withal. For the one giving by the Spirit the word of wisdom, and to another the word of knowledge, by the same Spirit, to another faith, by the same Spirit, to another the gift of healing, by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirit, to another diverse kinds of tongues, of languages, to another the interpretation of languages. But all these worketh the one and the self-same Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. The Holy Spirit of God gave us gifts, so we will use it in order to enrich the people of God spiritually. And Paul continue here, beloved brothers and sisters, and in verses 4, 5, 6, and 7, Paul emphasized the fact that love does edify. What love 
does for edifying the people of God, what it is and what it does. In verses 4 to 7, listen to this. Love's positive qualities is uh, mentioned here in these verses. Beautiful to read these in verses 4, 5, 6, and 7. Let me read them together. Love suffers long. Love is kind. Love envious not. Love wanteth not itself. In other words, love does not boast. It is not puffed up does not behave itself unseemingly, or not rude, seeketh not her own, not self-seeking, is not easily provoked, not easily getting angry, think not evil, in other words, does not keep record of wrong, rejoices not in iniquity. Don't rejoice in that which is evil, but rejoices in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopes all things, and endureth all things. Amazing! In these verses 4, 5, 6, and 7, love's positive qualities are mentioned here. And notice in verses 4b to the first part of verse 6, we can see the negative qualities. He does not notice he using the word here, beloved brothers and sisters, in a negative way to show us what love does not do and how love does not behave. Where we read that love does not envy. Love do not pride itself. Love is not puffed up. Love does not behave rudely. Love does not seek its own. You see, love does not think of evil. Love does not provoke. And love does not rejoice in iniquity. Beloved brothers and sisters, this is amazing. Now when we search our hearts, and we see a time how easily there is that envy, and pride, and there is rudeness, and easily getting angry, and a time recording a wrongs that had been done to us, self-seeking, and a time happy when evil happened to someone else. How is it possible? You see, beloved brothers and sisters, love is that which is found in the person of our Lord Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah. In fact, if we read that, we can even change the word from the word love to Yeshua, to Jesus. Verse 4, Jesus or Yeshua suffer long. Yeshua, Jesus, is kind. Jesus does not envy. Jesus, the Messiah, did not boast. The Lord Jesus, the Messiah, is not proud, does not behave himself unseemingly, is not rude when we think of the Lord Jesus, our Messiah, who was the meekest man on earth. He said of himself, Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. 
Amazing. Matthew chapter 11. When we read of him, he was not angry. Whenever the Lord was angry, he had righteous indignation because of sin that is happening here in this world. He did not seek himself. He actually gave himself over for the sin of this world. We read this amazing passage in the book of Philippians chapter 2. You remember these verses, beautiful verses concerning our Messiah in Philippians chapter 2, Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in a fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Think about it, beloved brothers and sisters, what a lessons we can learn from our beloved Messiah, the Lord Yeshua, the Lord Jesus himself. Of him we read through the prophet Isaiah. It says in Isaiah chapter 42, He shall not cry, nor lift up, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed shall he not break, and a smoking flag shall he not quench. He shall bring forth justice unto truth. Amazing. This is the Mashiach, the Messiah. This is Christ, our Lord, Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah. Amazing, beloved brothers and sisters. And so while in verses 1, 2, and 3, we have the prominence of love, as the gifts are being used, Verses 4, 5, 6, and 7, we have really the way where love is expressed itself. The amazing way in which love is expressed, it is love not only enriching God's people, but love is edifying God's people. What love is and what love do. That's what Paul is emphasizing here in these verses of First Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 to 7. And so, beloved brothers and sisters, it does say in verse 6 at the end of it, it says, But love rejoicing in the truth, and then it continues, Bear all things, believe all things, hopes all things, and endureth all things. That's what love is. And if we will place the name of our Lord Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah, we learn for verse 6b, Jesus rejoice in the truth. Yeshua Jesus is bearing all things, he believe all things, he hope for all things, and he endure all things. Thinking about the fact that he endured beloved brothers and sisters as we read the book of hebrews that the hebrew believers were encouraged to realize looking unto jesus unto yeshua the author and the finisher of faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of god consider him the author said to the Hebrews, as Paul saying to the Corinthians here, 
And so in verses 4 to 7, Paul is emphasizing the fact that love does edify. It is love in which God's people, as we use the gift that God had given to us, in the power of the Holy Spirit of God, for the benefit of God's people, it will enrich God's people. And even more, love will edify, build up God's people. The user of the gift and the recipient of the gift will benefit and will be edified because of what love is and because what love does. Every one of us remember times in our lives that we have experienced the love of the brethren, the love of the believers in a practical way. How wonderful it was to experience this. How wonderful it is to experience this, but also how wonderful it is to extend this in ourselves, in our life, to others, and to use our gift always, always with the help of the Spirit of God, always with an attitude of love, of ahava, of agapeo. And so Paul now, as he continues on towards the end of this second half of First Corinthians chapter 13, in verses 8, 9, 10, and 11, and even 12, He emphasized the fact that love is enduring, not only enriching, not only edifying, but also enduring. It is being remembered for a long time by others. Amazing when you really think about it. And here he shows the contrast between love and simply the gifts that are temporary because gifts are only to be used here under the sun, on earth, among the people of God. But beloved brothers and sisters, when we are going to be taken out of this world, we will not use these or need these gifts in glory, in the presence of God, because there we will have no longer the old sinful nature that we have here, We will no longer fail God and sin against God. None of us, and therefore we will not need all these gifts to build up one another because we will be like Him, like our Lord Yeshua the Messiah. For we shall see Him as He is. We shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And so in verses 8 to 12, the apostle Paul shows us love in contrast to the spiritual gifts. Emphasizing the fact that love is greater than all the gifts that we might have, especially when we use them to show off and to pride ourselves and to exalt ourselves because using the love of God in ministering in the power of the Holy Spirit of God, expressing our love, unconditional love towards God's people, that is that which is enduring and lasting. So he says in verse 8, notice that, love never faileth. But whether 
there be prophecy, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues or languages, glossa, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. Now, interesting that we learn here from verse 8 that tongues will cease. Now, notice the Apostle Paul saying prophecy, they will fail. And notice knowledge will vanish away, but tongues will cease. Now, it's interesting. Why does he emphasize the fact that tongues will cease? Again, because tongues, languages, was that which the Corinthians seems to pride themselves with. And the whole chapter 14 of this book, you will notice how the apostle is emphasizing the fact that they fail in activity of speaking in tongues because they have done so for a show and not for ministering to God's people wherever it needs to be used. And so, interesting, when it comes to prophecy, prophecy will fail. Why? Because sometimes we speak of something and we it will come to a point that a prophecy will fail because of the fact that we speak the word of God and the Lord in his purposes and plans does things in his own way and we are here in using the gift in much failure and, and therefore we might not always be having the mind of the Lord. And therefore, it failed because sometimes we assume God says one thing and we don't follow this through or we are not having the, the Spirit of God to lead us in a, in a right way and therefore we say something which is not necessarily the mind of the Lord. Tongues, languages, they will cease. It will stop. And even knowledge will vanish away. Why? Because the moment that we will be in the presence of the Lord, we will know all things will be known even as he is known. And so, love never fails. Love never fails. Why? Because it remains. When we get to glory, we will no longer need the gift of languages because we will be in the presence of the Lord. When we get to glory, we will no longer need prophecy because we are going to be in the presence of the Lord. When we will be in glory, we will no longer need to know, because we know in part here, but we will be like Him, and we will know that which the Lord wants us to know. But love will never cease, never fail. Love is eternal. In verse 9, he continues to say that we know in part here. We also prophesy in part. For we know in part... That's with respect to knowledge. And we prophesy in part. We are limited. That's why we do read in verse 8 that prophesying shall fail because we are only prophesying in part. We are limited here. In verse 10, the Apostle Paul continues, he says, But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. The word here for that is the word telaos, T-E-L-A-O-S, and that has to do with the fact that the tamim, the, the perfect, when that which is perfect will come, 
that which is in part shall be done away. And many who teach the word of God have a reference here to that which is perfect uh, to refer to the Messiah himself. In other words, he which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. That is interesting. We read in First John chapter 3 and verse 2, very interesting verse that the Apostle John wrote. First John chapter 3, and I'll read verse 2, where we read, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. This is First John chapter 3 and verse 2. And oftentimes there are those who link that with that verse, verse 10, when that, or when he that is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. Now others would emphasize the that which is perfect, rather than he which is perfect is come, to refer to the word of God. In other words, when Paul is saying, once the word of God in its completeness will come to be presented for the believers to remind you that the book of Corinthians, as it was written, was at a time when Paul answered to the Corinthians who did not as yet receive the book of First Corinthians. Later on, the apostle Paul wrote a second letter to the Corinthians. In other words, they were limited and therefore they didn't have the complete canon of Scripture They didn't have the full revelation of God which he wanted to reveal to us, to mankind, to the body of Christ. And therefore, once the full canon of Scripture will be available, then that which is in part shall be done away. And therefore, they will need no longer to be limited with our understanding of the mind of God. Whichever... That may be, beloved brothers and sisters, one thing for sure. Love, unconditional love, is that which not only enriching God's people and edifying God's people, but it will endure because love never fails. And all other things are limited here under the sun because when that which is perfect is come, that which is in part shall be done away. And you remember, he did say, beloved brothers and sisters, in verse 9, we know in part, we prophesied in part. In the previous verse 8, we did read that prophecy will fail, that tongue or languages will cease, and that knowledge will be vanished away. And therefore, when that which is perfect is come, whether it is the person of our Lord Jesus the Messiah when he will come to take us home, or whether it is when the complete canon of Scripture was now completed, the divine revelation of God for his own people was given in the full canon of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation, then that which is in part will be done away. There will be no longer need 
for extra-biblical uh, prophetic words or extra-biblical uh, speaking in languages and, and extra-biblical knowledge which is not needed because we have the complete canon of Scripture. And anything that is beyond the Word of God is not the Word of God at all. In fact, God did say at the end of the book of the Revelation of Jesus the Messiah, we do read in the book of Revelation that we cannot add anything nor subtract anything to the Word of God. Beloved brothers and sisters, this is very, very important. We do read, listen to this. Verse 19 of Revelation chapter 22, If any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life, and out of the holy city, and from the things which are written in the book. In fact, in the previous verse, in verse 18, For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of this prophecy of the book, of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. And therefore, we don't need to add anymore, we don't need to subtract anymore, because we have all the canon of Scripture, is that divine revelation of God is given to us now, and therefore, when that which is perfect is come, that which is in part shall be done away. And so, beloved brothers and sisters, whichever way one will look at this, one thing for sure the scripture teaches us uh, that uh, love never faileth. And love is enduring as love is edifying, as love is enriching. And how important to use the God-given gifts among the people of God with the power of the Holy Spirit of God and doing so in unconditional love. May the Lord help us all to practice this among the people of God. Now, as Paul continues in verses 11 and 12 of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, in verse 11, he emphasized the fact that spiritual gifts should be used in order to mature the people of God. Notice that it says, you know, it is to mature the people of God, but also the mature believer will use it in a proper way. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. You see, Paul is emphasizing the fact that the believers in the Lord Jesus the Messiah, the brothers and the sisters, are called to mature, are called to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Yeshua Jesus the Messiah. So when I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child. I thought even as a child. But when I became, and notice Paul applying this to himself, 
He says, when I, in other words, he wants each and every one of the Corinthians, and in fact, God wants each and every one of us, and each and, and every one who is a true believer in the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, to internalize this fact. That when we were children, in the faith, we spake as children, we understood as children, and we even thought as children. But when I became a man, when we mature and grow spiritually, we put away childish things. Just like the, our own children, when they were children, they were children. They spake like children, they understood like children, and they even thought like children. But as they grow up, hopefully they set aside. When they become men, women, grown up, Setting aside childish things, that is the sign of maturity. And how important it is among God's people to show the sign of maturity, to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Yeshua HaMashiach. Peter wrote this at the end of his second epistle, Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 18. But he said, grow. Grow in grace, number one, and in knowledge. Of whom? Of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen, Peter wrote. That was the concluding verse of Second Peter chapter 3. And so Paul is saying to the believers at Corinth, you see, you need to grow. And when you were children in the faith, you behaved like this, you thought like this. But you see, apparently, sadly, the Corinthians did behave as children in their spiritual walk with the Lord. That's why already early, beloved brothers and sisters, in the early part of First Corinthians, Paul already told them that they were carnal. They were carnal. They did not behave in a way that was becoming. They did not behave. We read, he says, And I, brethren, chapter 3, verse 1, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes. Babies in Mashiach, in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat. Why? For hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. For ye are yet carnal. For where is there is among you envyings and strifes and division? Are ye not carnal? And walk as men, in other words, unregenerated men. In other words, there were believers who walked and lived as unbelievers. And they were behaving as babies. And he gave them milk instead of meat. They were envying one another. There was strife among themselves. There was division among themselves. They were carnal. They were acting in the flesh. Babasar in Hebrew. They were acting according to the old sinful nature. And how true it is oftentimes in our own lives, beloved brothers and sisters, lest we just look at the Corinthians and not search our own hearts. We need to search our own hearts as well, beloved brothers and sisters. And now finally in verse 12, he's saying to them here, 
For now we see through a glass, darkly. But when, he says later on, then face to face, now I know in part, but then I shall I know even as I am known. In other words, now we do not see clearly everything. We see, as he says here, like through a glass darkly. Things are not often clear. But realize that even if things are not clear, wait on the Lord, behave in a way that is representing the person of the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, in love. And realize that we are limited in our knowledge. We don't know everything. We don't need to have any external outward gift to show, to pride ourselves and to seek to have glory for ourselves, to realize that right now we see through a glass darkly, not everything is clear, and to wait on the Lord. But then we will see Him face to face. Now we only know in part, we don't know everything. Therefore, there is no need for pride and arrogance as if we know everything. But then, we will be known even as I am known. Amazing to think of these beloved brothers and sisters. This is such an encouraging verses, beloved brothers and sisters. And therefore, the Apostle Paul emphasized in verses 8 to 12 that love is enduring. Love your brothers and sisters. Use the gift that God had given to you in love. Recognize that the gifts themselves are only given to us temporarily. And don't seek pride and and don't seek just an external gift to give an appearance as if you are more spiritual than your brothers and sisters. What one is called to do is to use whatever gift that God had given to us in love for the benefit of the people of God because love is enriching, love is edifying, and love is enduring. It is lasting. And so, beloved brothers and sisters, in conclusion of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, in verse 13, Paul is emphasizing the preeminence of love. Love in its abiding nature. You remember the verse that we read in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 8, where Peter wrote to the early Hebrew believers, he said to them, Whom having not seen ye love? In other words, they love the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, although they have never seen Him. And they loved Him. And that's how the attitude that believers have to have today, you and I have to have today, just like what God called Israel to do, to love the Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And if we do love the Lord with all our hearts, we will also love the brethren, because, beloved, let us love one another. First John chapter 4 and verse 7. For love is of God, and every one that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Just as Israel were called in chapter 19 of the book of Leviticus, 
thou shalt not avenge, nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. Ani Yehovah, God said to Israel, as John said, God is love in First John chapter 4 and verse 8, beloved brothers and sisters. So Paul concludes here as he emphasizing the preeminence of love here in verse 13. And now abideth faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Let me repeat it, beloved brothers and sisters. Now, abide the faith, hope, love. These three. But the greatest of these is love. Whom having not seen, ye love. Love your brethren. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if you have love one towards another. Love will remain. Hope, notice that he says here, a hope is the one that we also but remain, but it's not going to continue on because the moment we come to see the presence of the Lord, to see our Lord Jesus, the Messiah, we don't have any more that hope because the reality come to pass because we will be in the presence of the Lord. When it comes to faith, faith is also for here and now. And faith will come to an end when we will see Him. We shall see His face. Now we haven't seen the Lord Jesus the Messiah yet, but faith will come to an end when we are going to be with Him. We shall see Him, for we shall be with Him. We can be like Him. So faith will come to an end and hope will come to an end. But love is the greatest of all because love never ends, never faileth and never ends. In heaven, in the presence of God, beloved brothers and sisters, we will enjoy eternally God's love. All God's people will enjoy the person of God and the person of our Lord Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah, and we will be reminded of His love for us who came down from heaven and loved us even unto death. As we read in John chapter 13 at the upper room in the city of Jerusalem, Yerushalayim, where we do read at the Passover night, we read now before the feast of Pesach, the feast of the Passover, when Jesus, when Yeshua knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father. And listen to this in verse 1 of John chapter 13, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. He loved them unto death. And that was the death of the cross. 
Beloved brothers and sisters, may the Lord help us to use the gift that God had given to us in love and to do so for the enriching of God's people, for the edifying of God's people, for the enduring of the blessing for God's people because love never fail. May the Lord bless you, beloved brothers and sisters. Until the next time, we say to you, Shalom, Shalom. You have been listening to the Holy Scriptures and Israel with Gideon Levitam. Gideon teaches God's Word from a Hebrew Messianic perspective. For more information about this ministry, write to Holy Scriptures and Israel, Box 1411, Niagara-on-the-Lake, Ontario, L0S1J0, or visit our website at holyscripturesandisrael.com. You are also invited to Gideon's weekly Bible teaching on Fridays at 11 a.m. and 7 p.m. and Saturdays at 1 p.m. at Willowdale Christian Assembly Hall, 28 Martin Ross Avenue in Toronto. Holy Scriptures and Israel is made possible by your prayers and financial support. If you would like to support the program, visit holyscripturesandisrael.com. God bless you. Shalom, shalom. Shalom.